0: I once heard a minister illustrating a point in his sermon by telling his congregation a story it was a funny story, a joke you might say uh, and nobody had heard it before and he was going great guns and f- milking every moment he, he captured the mood and, and everyone hung on his every word and, and they were anxiously waiting for the punchline when he stopped he couldn't remember how it ended and search his mind as he did, scratch his head. He had to finally admit to the congregation, Well, I'm terribly sorry, he says, but I can't remember how the story ended. And in today's culture, some would argue that that's exactly what it is for a lot of people today when they think about the Easter story. Now, why am I talking about the Easter story today? Well, I'm not particularly, but of course, it's inherent that we should think about the events of Easter as we approach the Lord's table. And it's unfortunately the case that so many people have forgotten or chosen not to remember how the story ended. Although for the Christian, we know that the message of Easter and and Christ rising from the grave wasn't the end of the story. That was just the beginning of the story. And it carries on and on and on forevermore. You see, the truth is, though, that when Jesus hung on that cross everything changed and he turned life upside down. For all those people who were gunning for him and for those who who felt he was in the way and he wasn't wasn't fulfilling what they thought he should be fulfilling, he wasn't the kind of messenger from God that they had hoped for, he wasn't the saviour they had imagined, he turned it upside down, he put it on its head. But at the same time as he did that, he turned the lives of each of us upside down, because of what it means. The truth behind it is that Jesus turns life upside down. And the fact that we still meet around the Lord's table to remember that great sacrifice of his... is an ongoing testimony to the fact that it wasn't just a one-off event. As I said just now, it wasn't the end of the story, it was the beginning and it carries on and it will continue forevermore to carry on. And we as Christians observe that. And those who do not know the Lord and Saviour are missing out so much, aren't they? Unlike that minister's shaggy dog story, which really hadn't any purpose at all, and he certainly didn't know the ending, there is no such argument can be raised against the Christian story of Easter, and it's why we continue to celebrate all it stands for with its glorious climax around the Lord's table and that's why you and I are gathered here tonight the fact is Jesus rising is less about a great ending to a story than it is a great beginning you see at one stage for the early Christians Jesus approaching death must have seemed to be turning out as a tragedy, after all, they'd, they'd been accompanying him all around the the, the, the shores of Lake Galilee and, and, and nearby, and they'd been listening to his every word. They'd been watching him as he healed and listening to him as he preached and, and seeing him as he showed and exuded that love and, and he helped so many situations. He was into all sorts of areas of work, of life, and work and life and suddenly to take him away was an enormous loss. And it would appear at first sight, it was turning out to be a tragedy after all, here's this great leader this wonderful person who everyone was hanging on and and suddenly he was gone which is exactly what it's like for anyone today who continues to regard this event just as a story and if it were to be just a story then why are we here? What's the purpose of worship? What's the point of coming to praise God? What's the point of remembering a non-event? None at all. If it were to be just a story, there would be no future beyond our life on this earth. There'd be no no glory to look forward to, no wonderful moment of, of reuniting with our Lord and Saviour. So, let's just thank God that he loved us so much that he wanted us to know there was no end to this. He gave all he could. He, he, he gave the, the most precious thing he could. He gave his son. And he gave his son to us in our place. And the words of that song which talk about that, how he gave his only son to make a wretch's treasure, when you think through the words of that, it, it, it's you and me, we're the wretch. But there's a treasure to have because God gave us that wonderful hope. And in believing in him, we, we know we have a future. How great that word goes on, how great the pain of steering loss It was so great that the father turned his face away. He couldn't see it. How many of us, when we see those we love in great pain, can't watch. You have to turn away. And it was like that for God, and and, and so it is. And we sing that song. Behold, the man upon the cross, my sin is upon his shoulders.
1: Reading this evening is taken from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 2, and reading the first twelve verses. And this reading can be found on the in our Pew Bibles on page 1003. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus and after digging through it lowered the man lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on when Jesus saw their faith he said to the paralytic son your sins are forgiven now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves why does this fellow talk like that He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, Why are you thinking these things? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven. Or to say, Get up. Take your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And he got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Thanks be to God for his word. Amen.
0: I have to confess that that's a story which I find myself repeatedly going back to and uh, and it's because there's so much in it. It doesn't just have the straight story of this man. I don't know whether you remember our, our Dave, our community worker here, who who did this Fred with the Bendy Legs thing uh, some time back when he showed in a graphic form how these men took the paralysed man to the top of the house, you know, the square house, the steps up, the side of the hole and all that stuff. And and, and I have to say I've used that illustration myself quite considerably and to great effect. But it's when I use it I suddenly realise that it's actually... Uh, More than just a story about this paralyzed man. You see, when we look back, we, we find lots of stories in the Bible, but we also find lots of stories in life. And over the past year or so, here in this church of Burlington, we've been listening to different people's stories and we've been amazed at some of the ways in which God has been working in their lives and turning things around for them, turning things on their head, moving them forward and changing people. We've been privileged to listen to many moving testimonies along that line, and and stories like that have impacted on us as we've heard them. And there's several here in this congregation tonight who've, who've been able to share things with us, and it's been a wonderful privilege to hear those things. But, you know, I'd like to suggest this, that however that may be, the story, with the biggest impact, is this one of Jesus. A risen saviour, a risen saviour who lives on. It's because of that that we can stand here now. It's because of that that we can find hope in otherwise desperate situations. It's because of that that we find ourselves lifted up in our fallen situations. It's because of that that we can have comfort when we're in despair. He helps us to cope when otherwise we might flounder on our own. And you and I would be unusual if if we didn't have some kind of events in our lives when we floundered, when we have felt knocked down, overwhelmed by life. Uh, and and whenever we feel like that, it seems sometimes it's never going to be any better. And rather than this be a, a kind of a, an evening of, of, of doom and thinking about that side of it I want us to think about how when things seem to be so difficult they'll never change Jesus can turn that upside down he is a God our loving God he's a God who who, who wants the best for us he doesn't want us to suffer he doesn't want us to feel bad all the time he doesn't want us to feel in despair and in sorrow he he he, he he wants to lift us up and you know, just as the sun shines, we didn't see much of the sun this afternoon, but whether we can see the sun or not, because of the clouds, it's still there. It's behind the clouds. It's still shining. It may not be shining in your particular part of of, of Ipswich as it was this afternoon or wherever you happen to go it may not be shining wherever you happen to be at that moment, but it doesn't mean to say it's not shining somewhere, it doesn't mean to say it's not up there shining and God's love is like that, God's presence is like that, because we sometimes can't feel it like we can't feel the warmth of the sun when it's hidden behind the clouds it's, it's nothing to do with the fact that it's not there it's how we respond God does care And when all seemed lost, he cared so much that he raised Jesus from the dead. He didn't leave him there in the tomb. It it seemed to be the the darkest moment, if you like. But at that darkest moment, that point in life when things looked pretty bad, suddenly the sun rose. Not the sort of sun that's on the top of the picture, yes, but the sun rose. When it was dark, when it was at its worst, Jesus rose rose from the grave and it changed it changed it all at times we all need that reassurance from god don't we that that he he knows of our circumstance and and he he knows of our worries and even when we do feel a bit jaded and and happen to feel perhaps a bit negative towards him he knows that And, and in our moments of despair when we get blown off course he wants to pull us back again and that happens to us when we're buffeted about and when we feel all alone that nobody else cares, God cares. And we need to feed on that. It makes a difference. I've recently been talking and sharing with with a, with a Christian man, one of my lay preachers who I, I, I meet from time to time. And, and he was opening up to me and I asked him if I could make this public. And he said, yes, please do, because it's now in the kind of public domain. He's suffering from a cancer and it's hit him very hard, as it would. And surgery would be required normally, but because of the heart condition, he can't have it. And he's kind of stuck in this situation. He's a man of great faith. And he opened up and shared a, a lot to me. And I thought as he was doing that, how would I cope with that? I'm not sure how he's coping. I mean, I know he how he seems to be, how he's portraying it. I'm not sure how he's coping inside any more than any one of us knows exactly how somebody else is coping with a disaster in their lives. And how would we cope? How do we cope? Well, one thing's for sure when we find ourselves hit with circumstances like that, a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is a tremendous point to build from gives us some hope the very best I can do for that that man is to try to support him and and, and talk with him and and pray with him as the occasion requires and opportunity is given it's a privilege isn't it it's such a privilege when people share things with you and, and you can help them through that it's not every time every day that happens but when it does to be able to share someone's concerns is a wonderful thing. And that's exactly where we come in with this story, you see. Because in that Bible story that that, uh, Elizabeth has just read to us, that that paralyzed man, that man who had been lame since birth, could not help himself. If he could help himself, would he be on bed? No. If he could walk, would he have been housebound? No. He was unfortunately battered about by one of those kind of things that... And we could call them life storms if you like. There may be something for you like that. It's holding you back, it's preventing you from doing something. And and that that paralyzed man was like that. He couldn't he couldn't walk, he couldn't help himself. He actually had no hope of healing. And that was the big problem, you see. He was there unable to help himself. Couldn't go anywhere left to his own devices, he was vulnerable, helpless, couldn't earn any money, stuck, immobile, lonely, housebound and helpless. But there's a lovely twist to that story, isn't there? That man had four good friends. He probably had more than four. We hear about four in the Bible, don't we? He had these good friends and some wonderful things happened. They, they loved him and they brought him to Jesus and that made such a difference because at that point, before he had been able to, to come to Jesus like that, in, in, that, in that personal way, he had to endure all the problems of his uh, medical condition But those four guys loved their paralyzed friend to the point that they really put themselves out to help him. They had to put themselves out. After all, when you think about it, not many people climb up the roof of a house and dig a hole in the top of it to let their friend down so that Jesus... And they must have believed that Jesus could do something about that to help him. And so they took that step, a brave step. You can imagine, I mean, the the reading itself actually says that there was no room. In fact, there, there was no room outside the house even outside the door it was packed with people but they pursued what they had set out to do which was to bring this person to Jesus and so often we need to remember that in our lives when we would so easily feel well uh, I don't let's bother tried it all before this person doesn't listen that one won't take any notice I'm not going to bother with that one but these men See each as a lesson here. They put themselves out, and in doing that, we know the end of the story had a happy ending. And you might know someone who's paralyzed by by something or other—fear, guilt, circumstances—and uh, and they're they're stuck in their position uh, of, of helplessness, really. But you are in a position where you might be able to help them, and that's showing that. Christian love. Now, there's already a a number of people in this church who do that regularly, helping other people, and and praise God for that. It's it's great, isn't it? Perhaps you're one of them. But, you know, perhaps the main point in that story of the paralysed man is that, however it was he came to be alongside Jesus, it was what Jesus could do that made the difference. It wasn't what the men could do. Although they were instrumental in it, it was what Jesus could do that made the difference. And after that layman had been freed from his previous anxiety about his health, there would have been a new beginning for him. Starting all over again. Imagine having never been able to walk before, and, and suddenly you can. You can run, you can dance, you can jump. My little granddaughter uh, teases me. She's five, well, I've got two, as you know, but one on Poppy, who lives in Whittam. She's five and a half, and she can run rather fast. She can certainly run a sight faster than I can. And we chase around the garden, and she says, can't catch me, can't catch me. much with the gingerbread man, actually, and I can't catch her. No matter what I do, there was a time when you used to pretend you couldn't catch her. And now, when you go around the garden, if anyone knows our house, you—it's kind of—it goes right round, and the big garden outside. And um, she catches me up from behind. And and you know, it's interesting, isn't it? We need to remember that sometimes we just have to keep pursuing things. We may not be able to catch the person, but you see, that lame man when he had been able to jump and run and and enjoy life like he didn't before, he would probably want to run and run and run, wouldn't he? Just like the little ones do. Perhaps we don't do it so much when we get a bit older, but we might wish we could. That man could. And a vital lesson this story brings to me anyway, and I hope to you, is the realisation that even at those darkest moments when we feel we're never going to overcome the dilemma that we're facing, there is hope through the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love he shows, the compassion. You could say, if you like, that for that man anyway, at that particular time, it was all sunshine and, and blue skies. Suddenly, there he was in a, a stage of his life he'd never been in before and he was released and what was all gloomy before had now become sunshine and, and, and blue skies, figuratively speaking, and, and you know that, that's another that example, isn't it, of Jesus turning life upside down but right now, you might be thinking to yourself, well that's all very really well for him, but that's not my experience it's all very really well people talking about these stories, it's all very really well using these illustrations, but that's not my experience I don't feel that joy, I don't feel that I'm getting any better I don't feel that my circumstances are changing. My life isn't like that. And life is like the weather, isn't it, in the sense. You know, last week, earlier last week, we experienced some incredible changes in our weather. One minute, it was all sunshine and blue skies, and the next minute, it was storms and hurricanes and things like that. We didn't get hurricanes around here exactly. That's an excuse for a picture of a hurricane. And suddenly, that glowing blue sky, that sunshine was overcast, and that can be like it is for us. Suddenly, without any warning at all, our life changes. Something happens, and we find ourselves knocked down by it. That can bog us down. And that's when we need to turn to Jesus even more, isn't it? That's when we need to to, to focus on him and let him hold us close. Oh, let the Son of God enfold you with his spirit and his love. Let him fill your heart and satisfy your soul. Let him have the things that hold you. And his spirit, like a dove, will descend upon your life and make you whole. But you know, in the middle of a hurricane, there's an eye, a still centre. It's amidst the turmoil of all that's going on, the sweeping clouds and the winds that chase around. And I'm told, I've never experienced it, and I don't particularly think I want to, but I'm told if you stand, if you can stand in that still centre, then not a hair on your head would be disturbed. You see... Even here, in the storms of life, there is a calm to be found. Jesus, fill your lamps. Come, bring your troubles. Bring those things that are bothering you. Those things that hold you. This morning Simon was talking about that, wasn't he? Those things that we don't want to surrender. It wasn't all about money this morning. It's about us, and so it is that God wants us to surrender. What's true in the course of nature, where in the turmoil of a ferocious storm there is a still center, so it is in our lives when we come to God. The same in our spiritual journey when we're battered by life storms, when things aren't looking good. In fact, they're looking pretty horrible. And things come at us day after day we think it can't get any worse Jesus promises peace within a peace and calm which, which brings respite in time of trouble helps us through life when we feel overwhelmed and completely exhausted perhaps when we feel that the, the blows life has dealt us, us such that there will never be any peace at all You know that paralyzed man no doubt hadn't expected the unbelievable would happen but he was healed. And that can be true for us too. We don't expect sometimes that there'll be any difference. But there can be. We can have that peace. now. How how do we know we can have that peace? Well, we know we can because Jesus said my peace I leave with you. He wouldn't have promised that without it being true in fact if we look in the Bible where we find that passage in in John's Gospel chapter 14 it's just round about the time when he was talking to his disciples about the time he was going to leave them what sort of peace is that as I said earlier on the whole world had been wrapped up in him following him listening to him and learning from him and suddenly he's he's he's, he's saying but I'm going and that departure that that expectation it was suddenly dashed that they'd be with him for all times. It must have been devastating. But then, of course, after he'd said that, he offered them some comfort. He said, but I'm going, but I won't leave you as orphans. I will send... Another, the Holy Spirit, will come amongst you. And, and at that moment, the disciples would have contemplated Jesus probably like a, a child would, who had become an orphan. The loss of its parents, a tremendous thing. And how would it cope? How would it get on? That picture possibly parallels the kind of near panic that one might feel with a broken relationship, or marriage. Loss of dignity, loss of health, job, prospects. Something we struggle to come to terms with. But Jesus offers a way forward. He offers a rescue plan. He offers a future of hope and, and more. But, you know, even when we know God's peace for sure, what Jesus said to his disciples is recorded in, in John's uh, Gospel, and in chapter 14 particularly, it turns our idea of peace on its head what are you and I understand by that word peace anyway God's idea of peace is totally different from ours our peace is about absence absence of disturbance conflict worry trouble but God's peace is different God's peace is about presence God's own unfailing presence in every moment of our lives That's the difference. We worry because we don't feel peace. God is saying, my peace is there when I am present in your life. That's the difference. Think back to the times when you really felt that peace that only God can give you. I wonder what it was, what was the occasion, what was going on in your life? Why could you feel like that? It may seem all too distant when you're struggling with something now recall that moment and just as we said a moment ago when we may not be able to see the sun's rays because they're up there somewhere behind a cloud it doesn't mean to say they aren't there and because we've had that peace once in our lives before there's no reason why we shouldn't focus back onto that and say I've had that peace before in my life and I want it again recall those moments, save them our God is a great God He knows our worries, our deep concerns and our anguish. In our opening prayers we reminded ourselves that we can be sure of Jesus' love because of the promise he made, because Jesus told us to trust him and within those words is a promise of love. And in loving us Jesus tells us that we're to show love to one another and it's that sort of thing which those four friends did when they took that paralysed man to Jesus, they show love and compassion Jesus does turn our lives upside down but that usually means he's turning them back the right way up because when we've got it wrong and it's all kind of Pear shape. I remember going on an evangelism explosion course many, many years ago. I went with Hillary, and and one of the visual things that stuck in my mind ever since was this picture of a bucket. You know, an ordinary common old garden bucket that you and I have got in the, in the workshop or the shed, and uh, we chuck the weeds in it or carry water in it, whatever else. But what's the shape of a bucket? Well, sim- sim- simply, it's a it's an up. Well, it's a cone, isn't it? You turn it upside down and try and hold the water in it. It doesn't work. And this evangelism explosion, the illustration was to say, is your bucket the right way up? Are you pouring it all away? All the things that you've got, all the things God's given you in the first place, are you pouring them away? Are you using those resources? Are you wasting them? Or are you holding them and using them for him? God loves us through the difficulties of our life and the troubled moments. He doesn't abandon us. And Christians can help each other in that. See, love is Christ dying on a cross even when we were lost in our own sins, when we felt unable to cope, when we felt always lost. It wasn't. Because God loved us so much he gave us Jesus to die for us. And the crucifixion reminds us of the working out of that promise But it doesn't end there. Christ has died. And and words we sometimes use in our communion service at the end are Christ is risen and Christ will come again. Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. You see, it's ongoing. And we need to remember that, don't we? Because we sometimes won't lay our worries before God. And even when we do, we're pretty good at grabbing them back again, aren't we? The Bible's got lots to say about taking things to, to, to the Lord, isn't it? And, and laying our troubles before him. Bring him to the cross. And Christ's own selfless act itself was an expression of that real love, wasn't it? Placing the needs of other people before himself. Knowing that he had to do it wouldn't have been easy. But the fact that he did showed how much he loved us. And we can say that now because we know what happened. It's a bit different now, isn't it, to what it was at the time. He rose again. Hallelujah. And so we can look at the story of Easter with a different emphasis. And the moment we allow Jesus to turn our idea of peace on its head, we experience God's love flooding into our lives. You know, at times it's easy to think the worst. To get disheartened because we feel powerless to do anything about things that hit us in, in our lives. And we get discouraged and things get on top of us. And, and, and we feel a failure. Perhaps we even feel that we made uh, such a mess of our life that there's no hope for us. And sometimes it, it, it's easy, isn't it, to think that things are just going from bad to worse. That's not a unique experience. I don't suppose I'm the only one who's ever felt like that. I expect we all do from time to time. But you see, it's only when we realise we can't do anything on our own, but but God is there to forgive us, uh, that that can all change. And sometimes it means turning our thoughts, our ideas, and our lives upside down, and letting God take over where we can't uh, as we come to the Lord's table I want us to remind ourselves once more how that the reality of Jesus' death does make all the difference we're going to see a clip in a minute uh, of, of a, just a sequence which just listen very carefully as it runs through it'll show you how God does turn lives upside down and that's the truth of it That's the difference it makes when we listen to what God has to say for us.